The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Matthew chapter 6, if you guys want to turn there really quick, uh, if you have your Bible, I've got a couple over there if you want to raise your hand, if you need one, but we're going to jump right in, McGuire, my man. Anyone else? Cam, you guys can keep this if you need it. And Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, but we're going to get there in a minute. That's where we're going to be at tonight. Would you guys just join with me in prayer before we get started? Just lifting up to God. Um, The service we already have, and I know he's already moving, but just that he would continue to move, and that this really wouldn't just be another thing that we're just going to and another thing that we sit through, but it's really something that God Almighty, God himself, God of the universe is interacting with us. I really want that. I believe that, and I I genuinely don't want to be here if it isn't true, okay? Uh, I, I really believe that that is the only reason why we should be here, and so I really want to experience that. So would you guys just join with me? And just praying that he would radically speak to us, be present with us, and engage with us to the extent in which when we leave, we are changed. Okay, and it's not just a normal Wednesday night. So would you guys just join with me in that? Lord, Lord, I pray that you are, in fact, here with us. Lord, that whenever we talk about your scripture That it wouldn't just be an addition to something that we're talking about, but it would be the heart of what we're talking about. For it is your words, your tangible, accessible words that come out of your mouth to speak into our lives, to transform how we live, and to draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would speak through that to us tonight, and that your Holy Spirit would be present, noticeably so, that hearts that were numb were then awakened for individuals that are jaded or angry would leave rejoiceful and that individuals who are hurting and are questioning things, they would leave with an encouragement knowing that they have a a big, big, big God. Lord, I pray for any individual that needs to know that with all the questions that we have in the huge world that we live in and the small capacity of intellect that we have, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us tonight knowing that you are in control of everything and that we can trust and rely on you, Lord. I pray that that would be spoken to us tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So yeah, we're starting this series and we'll be all through the, the month of April on the series called Tomorrow. And really what we're wanting to talk about is God's will. And this is one of those topics where people are like worried and they're freaking out. They don't know what to believe, what to understand. And it really messes some people up. I know it messed me up. Uh, my youth pastor back home. Uh, no, back home. Home is here. I'm so sorry. I keep saying that. It drives me crazy. Pastor Isaiah got on to me about it today, and so I should have, should have messed that up. But um, 
The most impactful sermon, that, sermon series that he ever preached on in my years at youth group was something very similar to this called Tomorrowland. So I just cut tomorrow, or I just cut land. You, you got it. So, um, but it's all about God's will because God's will really freaked me out. I was scared that any one decision that I made would just completely change everything and that I would, if I didn't go to the right place, if I didn't walk to the right, uh, where, I mean, I made it down to the smallest little detail. If I didn't go to this specific place at that specific time, I wouldn't interact with that specific person that he had planned. And now for the rest of my existence, I would, I would just, I wouldn't, make, I wouldn't make the mark. If I didn't go to the right school, if I didn't, uh, whatever it was. I was terrified about the future, and I was thinking it was going to look like that. Maybe not to that extreme. But I was just so scared. Like, I really want to follow God. I really want to live for him, and I really want to get it right. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how to find God's will. I didn't know how to know God's will. And that uncertainty really freaked me out. I was kind of treating God's will like, have you guys ever read those books where they're, I don't know, what it's, choose your own adventure books? Where you're like reading and it's like, stop. You have two options. Turn to page 47 if you think they're going to fall off the cliff. Page 72 if you think they're going to get a glider and fly. Like if you guys ever, and you turn to whichever page you think it is. That's kind of how I was treating it. I was like, which one's it going to be? If I pick the wrong one, the whole rest of the book is going to be messed up. And so I was terrified every decision I make. It's kind of like that. So let me jump to this really quick. Uh, Choose your own life. I think choose your own life path. That's what I had. So I'm going to play a little game with you guys. I need... Crowd participation in this, okay? Um, so what's the first one? You just turned 16 and you want to buy a car, okay? Typical scenario. Do you either A, buy a nice car and enjoy it, or do you buy a clunker and save more for college? It's up to you, and it's not real, so you can make the wrong decision. Three, three, four. Let me see a three really quick. Show of hands, three. Show of hands, four. Nice. You guys are studious, and I'm so proud of you. Let's go to slide four. You bought the clunker. Go to community college for a couple of years for cheap, or do you go to the expensive four-year school right off the bat? What do you guys want to do? Now, no, if you pick the wrong one, God will not be moving in your life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, will, I will fight against that in this sermon, I promise. What slide? Seven or eight? Eight, that's pretty unanimous. Let's jump to eight. Okay, you made it to the four-year school. Do you have fun in college and you don't work, or do you work a full-time job while juggling classes? Oh, wow, that was pretty bold. Everyone's like, we're hard workers. We've got this. College ain't nothing. Are you sure? Because you're going to miss out on your college experience, and you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, show of hand, 15. Show of hands, 16. Let's jump to 16. Hey, you want to get a degree and you work hard for it, but you are on the verge of being burnt out. Wrong mistake. No, I'm just, wrong wrong decision. I'm just kidding. But that's kind of wrong, wrong mistake. You should have made a different mistake. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Do what? What happened, what happened if you went down the, the route of slide 15? You have a broke-down car still at an expensive school with no money, but you're having a blast doing it. That's still, uh, uh, I don't know. Hey, anyway, it doesn't matter. If you could jump to this, the uh, tomorrow slide. That's how I treated God's will. That's how I saw God's will. Um, maybe not to an extent, but you guys understand what I'm talking about. You make one decision, and 
You might be off. You might miss God's will for your life, and, and it's scary. And either, so either, one, you're scared that you're going to miss God's will, or two, you just don't know what it is, and uncertainty really messes with you. Not knowing what is the best decision. I, I don't know. I've looked. I've done my spreadsheets. I've looked at everything. I've looked at all the, the pros and cons. I've weighed everything, and I'm still... I don't know what you want, God. What do you want? I, I can say what all my st- statistics say, but, but God, can you just rain down from heaven all the answers that I need for my life? And, and when he doesn't, it's kind of scary. I want to talk about God's will um, because I think so much we see our future if we get it wrong like that, uh, if there is a wrong. And so I want to talk about that tonight and for the next three, two weeks. Um, and if you be, th- if, if you be thinking, uh, be thinking throughout this sermon and the next sermon and the sermon after that, leading up to the fourth week where we have our panel, be thinking about questions, write them down, type them in your phone, whatever you want to do to where you can either submit them electronically or submit them out there. We want to hear your questions that as a spark in your mind because we want to talk about them on the fourth week with the panel of individuals that have lived out scenarios very similar to what you probably are going through right now. Um, I got a lot of advice whenever I was growing up because I was so scared of what school I was going to go to and and everything, and it was really helpful hearing from those individuals where they came from. And so, anyway, uh, be thinking about those questions. Any question on God's will. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you have turned there already, hopefully you have. I have it turned here, but it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, that is clothing, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So this is what, so he's talking right now, not just about like small little decisions, what, like, oh man, what am I going to eat today? Do I bring this sack lunch? Or this? Like he's talking about the necessities of life. That is, that is what Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about don't even be anxious about the necessities. How are you going to survive? Okay, this isn't small little details. This isn't nothing compares to. This is, I'm worried about how am I going to get food? How am I going to get water? How am I going to have clothing? And he says, I don't even want you to be anxious about that. Then he gives two analogies. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet, in your, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, like being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you being anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, grass, grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. Again, he says, he iterates what he just said. Therefore, again, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Again, therefore, do not be anxious. Hopefully you've got that phrase, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That seems pretty blunt, pretty, bl- pretty blanketed, pretty universal that Jesus would just tell everybody, therefore, do not be anxious. Don't be worried. It's like, okay, I don't think you understand my situation, my particular thing, what I'm going through. Uh, what makes you think that you could just say this statement of all the people that Jesus was talking to uh, when he was speaking there 2,000 years ago to all those individuals and all those people that would come later and read this all the way to this room right now when we're reading it and all the different lives represented here. How could Jesus make such a blanketed and universal statement that no one has the right to be anxious? What grounds does he have to say such a statement? Because I think it's really easy for us to be like, okay, maybe that doesn't apply to me though. Maybe those individuals, but Not me. No, I think it really does apply to every single one here. And so what makes it apply to everybody? Why could Jesus say such a bold statement for everyone? I think it's what comes before you heard those three therefores. Therefore, don't be anxious. Therefore, don't be anxious. Therefore, don't be anxious. Well, what is he saying that is leading to therefore, don't be anxious? What what, what came before that is, I think, the key. And so I don't have it um, up there, but if you're looking in your text... And I will read it. It's, it's talking, he, he begins talking about don't store up treasures of earth for uh, rust and mold will, will gather on them and they won't last for eternity. He says, don't invest, don't rely on those things. Instead, rely on your heavenly father. Trust in your heavenly father. Put all that you have, all your investments, all your stock in your heavenly father. And then it finishes with, we, we start in verse 25. Uh, If you read verse 24, it's really popular. Everyone knows it. For no one can serve two masters. For either he will have the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what he's saying there is you can only truly believe in and live for and put all of your stock in either God, who's eternal, or something else that isn't. And if you do put all your stock in something that will rust, something that will mold, something that will die away, that's something that won't last, your life certainly will look like that. It will look like that. But for those of, who, for those of those, for those of those, for those who do invest in the Heavenly Father that is eternal and they make Him Lord and they make Him Master, you can read in verse 25, don't be anxious. Because he's reliable, because he is eternal, because he is trustworthy, because he is the only one that you can put stock into and not be anxious, because he is God. And God is God over everything. He says, don't be anxious. Why? Because you have made me master. And if you've truly made me master, you don't need to worry, because I've got it. And so I want to talk today, this first week, on God's will, and I want to title it, in his hands, in his hands. This is our futures. As a Christian, if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your future is in his hands. And I really think that's just a ground to start. We're going to talk about making decisions, how to weigh you know, these things that we're wrestling with, these decisions. We're going to talk about that. But I want to lay the foundation as Christians that your future is in his hands, first and foremost, that he is in charge and Any other way to start, that is going to be your future. And that's sad, genuinely. 
Because we do believe that anything that doesn't, anyone that doesn't trust in and believe in and rely on him doesn't have eternity. But when you do have him, you have hope, and you have a plan, and you have God over everything leading you and all of it. And so in his hands, we're only going to be looking at one of the three, therefore, do not be anxious passages. There's three of them, right? Uh, therefore, do not be anxious, 25 to 20 or 30. And then 31 to 33 is, therefore, do not be anxious because of this. And then 34, therefore, do not be anxious about this. We're only going to be looking at the first chunk. But what I really think this first chunk, uh, therefore, do not be anxious, is saying is really two things. One, God is completely in control. God is completely in control. And not only is God completely in control, but we are completely unable to mess that up. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. That's really cool. God is God, first and foremost. And two, there's nothing that we could do that would scare him, intimidate him, make him worry or have anxiety. Oh, man, I don't know what to do with this guy now. There's nothing we can do that can mess up God's grip on our lives on our futures, on his plan for us. There's some encouragement in that. There's some peace in that. You can rest knowing that whatever decisions I do make, God's still got a plan for me, and he's much bigger than anything else that I could ever alter. He's much bigger than that. God is in control, and we are unable to mess that up. We see that in the text. So we're going to be staying right here in this text this whole time, and so you're going to be seeing this through the rest of the sermon, this, this one text. He uses two analogies to make both of those points. He says, first, look at the birds of the air. And then the second analogy, he says, consider the lilies of the field. He uses both of these analogies, and first, he emphasizes that he is completely in control. How does he do that? He says, your heavenly Father, he feeds those birds. Your heavenly Father feeds those birds. And then he also says of the lilies that God clothes the lilies on the grass of the fields. And then you're like, okay, well, awesome. So God takes care of flowers. And, and uh, he makes sure those birds get something to eat. Isaac, I don't know if you realize, but uh, birds don't have to study for that test coming up next week. So that's not too encouraging. Those flowers, though they might look beautiful on those fields, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But they don't have to pick a college, right? So maybe move on to the next text. You might think maybe that's not, that's not super encouraging. <clears throat> but it actually is. It's extremely encouraging that God takes care of the birds. That God would waste his time, we would think, right, quotes, waste his time on flowers, but the fact that he does should be extremely encouraging to us. Why? Because how much more important are we? If he's willing to invest in birds and invest in flowers, just think how much he cares about our, our futures, our being provided for. God cares about us. He says in this text, are you not more valuable than those birds? I take care of those birds. I make sure they get fed. How much more valuable are you than those birds? Those lilies, they are beautiful and they are clothed. God takes care of them. Will he not much more clothe you then? 
And I don't think this, this isn't just talking about, okay, well, great, we're always going to make sure we have clothing then. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about God will provide, period, for his people. God will provide, God will take care of, God will ensure the future for his people. That is for you, and you, and you, and you, and you. This means that God loves us so much more than anything else in creation. That's true. You can read it all the way from Genesis 1 and 2 to the rest of Scripture. There is nothing else in the handiwork of God, nothing else in how God crafted the universe and everything else tangible that he has ever made. He loves more than us. We are the image of God. We are the image bearers of him. We exceed anything else in creation. And we are his priority over anything else in his creation. He will provide for us. And there is comfort in that, that God is God. I think there's so, okay, seriously, I know that seems like a pretty basic statement. God is God. Awesome. But I think we really make that Pretty basic, and we skim over that sometimes. God is God. Like, I don't know if that actually changed it. I just changed the way I said that. What does God mean? What what does God mean? God of everything. God means ruler, means the one that's over everything. God is God. And sometimes we just think that it's all up to us. If you jump back to I didn't mean to, I shouldn't do this, but if you look at these two points, God is in complete control and we are unable to mess that up. I really think we flip that so much of the time. I think so much of the time we think that it all rests on our shoulders, that every decision we make is going to impact the rest of eternity, which it does, but it's all, I mean it does. Your decisions will impact those around you and you. It's true. But God works through that. He redeems our actions. He makes his will happen regardless of us. He is God, okay? But I think so much, this is where the anxiety comes, the worry of the future, the worry of tomorrow, the worry of, I don't know where college to go to, because we flip this. We think that everything rests on us and that we are in God's position and we think that God is unable to change our mess-ups, that God is able to fix and be able to work according to Something that we do, he, we think, we confuse ourselves thinking that we are in God's position, that our decisions he is now subject to, and he has to work around, and maybe he can, maybe he can't. That's where all this worry comes from. But whenever you start thinking that God is in control of your future, and there's nothing that you can do, any decision that you have that could ever mess that up, man, there's so much freedom. There's so much peace. And as Jesus says, it frees you from anxiety about the decisions you make. So let me get back to where I was. He feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Are we not the most valuable thing in creation? I've heard this like analogy. Where I'm not, I'm not a, a dad, so I don't know. But like I've heard that whenever you have your, your first son or your first daughter, whenever you hold her, it's like everything changes. And now you have never known love like like this, right? Now, now everything changes like, wow, I thought I loved, even my spouse, I was listening to a sermon about this the other day, not about this, but he mentioned it. 
I, I love my wife so much, but whenever I held my baby girl, I was like, wow, I've never known love like this. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, I've, I've never had a kid. But so much smaller of an analogy. Have you ever seen kids with toys, okay? And their priority of one over so much more. We have, so if you guys know Tobiah Jesh, he's my friend. Um, Tobiah has this, this fuzzy, and it's really a pelt, um, it's animal pelt, and he loves that thing. You guys know, how many, how many of you guys know of Tobiah's fuzzy? He carries this thing everywhere. It's like, it's this little rabbit fur, um, but he carries that thing everywhere, and it is so much more important than any other toy that he has. We would go to Fazoli, we went to Fazoli's last week, and we're sitting there eating our pasta, and there's the fuzzy uh, sitting right there at the table, uh, just mangled and dirty pelt, and it's just fuzzy, and he'd go crazy if it wasn't there. Anytime we're over there playing board games, just a couple nights ago, and he has to go to bed, where's fuzzy? So we, Malia literally was like, okay, guys, everyone stand up. We have, we have to find this fuzzy because Tobiah is going to be freaking out if he doesn't have his fuzzy. And so everyone on duty, like, that, he, had, he had a million toys, but that's his fuzzy. How, how minimizing did I just make God's priority of us over all creation? Uh, God sees us as so much more important because we are his treasure. We are his image stamped onto us more than anything else in all of creation. He cares about us. He bled for us. He died for us. He wants eternity with no one but us. I'm sorry about your dog, that he's not going to have eternity with your dog or your cat or your whatever. He wants eternity with us, right? He loves us. We are more important than anything else. God wants eternity with his people. So why are we so worried that he's going to take care of the birds and the lilies, but he has no idea how to fix if we went to Drury instead of Evangel? Like, God is going to make his will happen. God is going to make his will happen because he cares about us. He cares about your future. He cares about your plan so much more than some lilies that are going to burn up tomorrow. And that's what the text says. I'm not I'm like, well, like, I'm sorry. Like, it says that, okay? It says that we'll be thrown into the oven tomorrow, okay? It's just, they're, they're not going to last forever. That's all the point I'm making. Jesus Louise. <laughs> But it doesn't stop there. This is the really cool part. It doesn't stop there. That God cares so much about us that he will always take care of our future. This is so much, this just adds to the encouragement. If, 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 as if that wasn't enough, right? That God would always take care of our future like that and in, in itself is enough, right? That is, that is enough that God's going to take care of the future for us. But add to that, there's nothing we can do to stop that. There's nothing that we can do that could corner him, make him worried. Oh, man, what am I going to do with Isaac now? He shouldn't have done that. How am I going to fix this? Like, there is nothing that I can do where God still can't make his will happen through me and his will will prevail. There's no action, no decision that I could ever make that makes sure that God's will will not prevail in my life to where I do everything that he wants me to do. That's encouraging. And I'm not just making it up. 
In the analogies, the birds and the lilies, he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? God feeds the birds. And he's simply saying, who are you to think that you can feed yourself for even an hour if it wasn't for me providing that to you in the first place? Who are you to think that you could even ensure one hour of survival if it wasn't for me in the first place? Which of you, by being anxious, worrying, thinking it's all up to you, that, that, it, that it rests on you, which of you, by thinking that, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And I, and I just want to stop it here because this is really important. This does not mean that we are just to be lazy or careless in our decisions. Well, God's got it taken care of, right? God is going to ensure his will. So let's be careless. No, there is so much importance to us having discernment, to weighing wisdom, seeing, the doing those pros and cons. Those are a good thing. There's a lot of importance that we are agents of free will, that we can make decisions, that we can do things, that we can act with the best wisdom we have, and we are called to do that. Read the book of Proverbs. We are called to utilize wisdom and, and instruction from wise people, and we are called to discern things and do the best we can. So we're not to be lazy because God is God over everything, because God is sovereign, because God is ruling no matter what. No, we are called to make decisions and make the best decisions that we can effort into that, knowing, though, that God is still going to prevail, that God still will not be knocked off his throne because you weren't sure which car to buy, right? God is always in control, but we are called to make decisions. Um, and so that was the first analogy. The second one, it says, even Solomon, in all of his glory, if you know the story of Solomon, in all of his glory was not arrayed or as beautiful as or as decorated as one of these lilies. Solomon was the, the richest man, the, the wisest man in all of the Old Testament. Solomon had it good, okay? Solomon had it good. Like he was wearing purple all the time. That sounds girly now, but that, that, meant, you were, that, that meant you were royal, that you were rich at this time, okay? Um, Solomon had all the riches. He didn't know what to do with all the money that he had. But Jesus says here that even Solomon... As hard as he tried, he could not look as good as the handy work of God in this little flower, this little lily. There is nothing that Solomon could have done that could have been better than what God would have done for him. God died on the cross. God did what we never could do. There is nothing that we can do to mess up God's plan. There's nothing that we can do that could scare away or alter to where he says, oh man, I have no idea what to do. God is in control. There's nothing we can do to mess that up. That, that's encouraging. That's exciting. That's the, that's the gospel. God loves you and his love is enough to where whatever you do, whatever mistake you make, whatever decisions that you make that you will regret later, 
Whatever it is, you just take all of that. There is nothing that could ever be too much for the cross. That could ever be too much for Jesus' love for you. That could ever be too much to where God turns his face from you and says, no, absolutely not. Not after that. There is nothing that we could do that could ever shorthand the power of God in your life. Both for your salvation and for your future. The decisions that you make. There's no decision that you will ever make that will pull you from the will of God that he has for you because he loves you so much. We're going to go into, in just a couple minutes, a time of just response and worship and just revering God for that exact truth, that God loves us and that he's in control of your future and the decisions that you have to make, the fears that you have, the worries that you're wrestling with. God is in control and he's to be relied on and entrusted in and just to be able to be submitted to saying, God, I believe that you have it all. That's really what I want to do here. I believe that God, you are what you say and that is your God. And I want to repent for all the times that I'd, I have ever thought God isn't exactly that. God. That I would ever assume the position of God. That my decisions are so much greater than anything God could ever handle. I want to say, God, I'm so sorry that I ever thought that you were small and that you couldn't handle if I went this way or that way. God, I believe that you are in control, that you are orchestrator over my future. You are God, and I I am sorry if I have ever questioned that for a second. I want to take a time to worship him, for he is God over everything. And we can trust in that. We can trust in that. You guys spread out just really quick. I'm not quite done yet. I want to take just a minute. You guys can stand up. If you haven't been here uh, the last couple weeks, we just take this time and we, we play some music and we just worship God in that. We, we've seen the band already at the beginning of the service and they've led us in just this corporate singing together, singing with one another a truth about the gospel But in the next 15 minutes, I just want to take this time and have that alone time singing to God. He finishes with, oh, you of little faith. He says all of that to say, oh, you of little faith. And I think that's us a lot of the times. Because we flip the roles of God. We're in charge, and God's going to have to figure it out. So much of the time we just need to flip it and see that God's in charge. And we just need to trust in him. There's nothing we can do that can throw him off his throne. The songs that we're going to sing, we picked specifically to just sing that truth. So if you want to pay attention to the songs on the screen, to the words that we're singing, don't just sing them for the sake of singing them and because you like the song, because you're going to know these songs. Look at the words. And they are all about trusting that he is in charge of absolutely everything. That God is God, reigning. God is in charge of all things. And we are to trust that. We are to believe that he does what we can't do. That he does what we could never imagine of doing. 
And when we are incapable, when we are unable to even add an hour to our lives, he is able to feed us and sustain us for eternity. God is able to do what we can never do, and all we have to do is trust in him that he is in charge, that he is orchestrator, and that he is God. Both for our salvation and for every decision you're ever going to make. For every decision. Trust in God. Trust in God. So that's going to be what we're going to be going into right now. Would you guys just worship with me? If you just want to start the music, you guys just take your time. If you want to go sit somewhere or you want to just stand there, you want to look at the words, whatever you want to do, just get alone with God. Worship God. And spend time with him. For he is God that's in charge of your future that you can trust in. Let's worship God. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.